Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Well, good evening and welcome to the Bay Church. Um, I just want to declare from the outset, I just love the Bay because it is a place where you can be yourself. Ha! Thank you that I can be myself, that I am, whoa, that uh, I'm very good at being myself. And thank you for the, for the leadership in the Bay, for allowing uh, everybody that walks through the door to be who Jesus meant them to be. And they can walk out in their plans and purposes and calling. So we just thank you, Lord God. And I just want to read out um, Psalm 67 for some very special people that are across the pond. And um, I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. And it says, God, keep us near your grace fountain and bless us. And when you look down on us, may your face beam with joy. Send us out all over the world so that everyone everywhere will discover your ways and know who you are and see your power to save. Let all the nations burst forth with praise. Ha! Let everyone everywhere love and enjoy you. Then how glad the nations will be when you are their king. They will sing, they will shout. For you give true justice to the people. Yes, you, Lord, are the shepherd of the nations. No wonder the peoples praise you. Let the people praise you more. The harvest of the earth is here. God, the very God we worship, keeps us satisfied at his banquet of blessings. So I'm going to read that again. God, the very God we worship, keeps us satisfied hmm. at the banquet of blessings. <sighs> and the blessings keep coming. Then all the ends of the earth will give him the honor he deserves and be in awe of him. So, Lord God, we just thank you for those words. We just thank you for your love. We just thank you that you pursue us with your relentless love. Lord God, that you love us when we don't even admit you are there. So, love of God, come right now. Kingdom of heaven, come right now. We welcome you. We welcome you, Daddy God. We welcome your loving arms. Jesus, come. Oh. We welcome you. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your death and resurrection. We thank you that it speaks freedom and liberty over us forever and ever. History, it's done. Holy Spirit, come right now and fill us up. Help us to point to Jesus, our hero, the lover of our soul. And angels of God, we welcome you in this place. We welcome you right now. We thank you, angels of God. Ha! Come, come, come. Thank you that you're help from heaven. We need help. I need help. We all need help. And we receive that help right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. So this month, we're, the, the last couple of months, whoa, we're doing Ephesians. And I'm just going to borrow um, a couple of verses from next week, next week's speaker. And it's Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And... In the New International Version, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And in Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, in the Passion Translation, Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as his beloved sons and daughters. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ, for he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God, like an, o- an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance. So, in the context of walking surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ, for he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us, Tonight, I'm going to tell you some stories of being surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. And it'll be a story that I'm allowed to say. I've been to... um, Recently, I'm just back from the east coast of the States, and there were so many stories, and I met so many people, so many beautiful people, very beautiful people, and many experiences. Being in the heavenly realms with a group of people, seeing what they were doing in the heavenly realms, telling people to choose one door and not another door, and seeing someone walk through three doors at the same time, giving prophetic words for empty chairs and then seeing the people that sat on the chairs um, fulfill those words. Um, and, but tonight, um, I'm going to share one story, which is, a, which is a story in two parts. And um, I've got permission from Annalisa um, to tell this story, and um, who some of you know from, from a recent trip uh, to the Bay. Uh, Annalisa was part of a team that visited here. And um, it's a story of freedom and liberty, and it's a story of Jesus pouring out. But I want to start with a story that I've never told uh, before, except to my wife and, to, and the two other people who were actually there at the time that it happened. And it's a story of an angel and a spear. Hey, wow. And it's a story of vulnerability because God wants us to be vulnerable to his goodness. He wants us to be totally vulnerable to the goodness of God and the amazing uh, realms of his kingdom. He wants us to be totally vulnerable. So, so I just feel tonight I'm demonstrating part of that vulnerability so we can all walk in the vulnerability to the goodness of God. There is no, that means there is no obstacle, there's no obstruction to the goodness and the love of God. So when we are completely vulnerable, we have no obstructions. We have no limitations. We have no barriers to the goodness, to the great goodness and the love of a heavenly daddy. So I was, this was six, seven years ago, maybe more, in a conference in London, and John Arnott had just asked me to, to, to stand up. In fact, it must have been eight or nine years ago, because he got me to stand up to talk about Speakers of Life, the prophetic network that I lead. And he got me to stand up and just and, uh, called me out of the crowd and told me just to kind of tell them about this, this thing that had just started. And I didn't know what to say. And um, after that, and the well done of that from my heavenly daddy, I noticed an angel with a spear that had been following me around for a few weeks. And, wow... And I knew that the angel was meant to pierce my side with this spear. 
but it had to be in a safe place at a certain time. And I felt God was saying, now is the time. You need to um, get someone you trust to make a safe place, and then you need someone who has almost surgical hands, medical hands, that will actually administer the spear into your side. So I got David Vickers and a friend of mine, a, a doctor called Liz. And the angel approached with the spear and I said to Liz, by faith, grab the spear and put it into my side so it will go into my heart. As she grabbed the spear, I, at this, this moment in time, I was kind of almost um, under spiritual anesthetic. So I kind of wasn't really aware of what was going on. My resistance was very low because I was just anesthetized by the love of God. And she saw that as the spear, by faith, as she grabbed the spear of the angel, that the angel was holding the other, the other end, that she saw my skin indentate as you would do when something was piercing your skin, except actually in reality nothing was there, but we know in the heavenly realms it was there. I felt the spear go into my side, and as it went in, I felt that the, the end of the spear, which was very large, suddenly became very tiny, almost like a fiber optic, or like a micro needle that you use for for in vitro fertilization, the kind of the end of it was so the only it's, it's so small that you need a microscope to see the end of it. I felt that actually my heart was pierced with the end of this spear, and because the spear had come from heaven, I felt almost like it was almost like reinforcing the scripture that that God places eternity in the hearts of men and women. So as the, as the spear was withdrawn, I was aware of the fact that there was a, a wound that was open, very much like Jesus on the cross, where he bled from the wound in his side. And I felt God was saying, Mark, from this moment onwards, you're going to pour out. You're going to pour out every day of your life. So God was saying, don't worry, because I'm going to pour in so much, so much more that you could ever pour out. And so tonight is a pouring out. Tonight is a pouring out as God pours into us. So I, I just encourage you to pour out as God pours into you. And the scriptures that come into that, and I'll go on to the other story in a minute, but the scriptures are Psalm 22 verse, 100, uh, verse 13, it says, I am poured out like water. Matthew 26 verse 28, it says, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 2 verse 33 said that Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God. He received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and poured out what you now see and hear. Romans 5 verse 5 says, And hope does not disappoint us because God poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Let God pour out his love into your hearts by the Holy Spirit right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just let him pour it out. Let him pour it out right now. Ha, without limit. Jesus, come. Thank you, God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Daddy. And then as we are poured into, Paul encourages us to pour it out. Philippians 2 verse 17 says, Even I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Wow. 2 Timothy Verse uh, uh, 2 Timothy whoa, uh, 4, verse 6 says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And friends, a drink offering was not one of those festivals that was just for the year. It wasn't for the day, for the week. 
It wasn't for the month. It was a daily offering. So God wants us to pour out, to pour out each day as a lifestyle. And that must mean whether we feel like it or not, whether we fancy it or not, whether we're having a good day or not, he wants us to pour out, to pour out that which we've allowed him to pour into. So for that, the more we are vulnerable, the more he can pour in. The more we, we allow him to pour love into our hearts, the more we can pour out. We cannot pour out what we don't receive. So let him pour it in. Let him pour it in. For Jesus says, I love you, even when you forget I am there. I love you when you rise and I love you when you sleep. Do not be afraid. Do Do you not see the fire of my love surround you on all sides to protect you? Surrender to the flames of my love. And you will enter into a place of such sweetness and intimacy and tenderness and everything else will fade into insignificance. Come, come and let me light a fire in you that will continually burn forever, filling your days with passion and glory. Thank you, God. And it's just, friends, it's just saying yes to Jesus. It's just saying yes to God. And saying yes to God took me to the east coast of the States last December. And before I went over, I was praying about... um, about what God wanted, and he revealed to me there was a line in the land with the word Dixon um, connected to it, and something to do with slavery, something to do with freedom and liberty, and I didn't know anything else. And I just happened to be at dinner with uh, 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 friends there, and um, uh, one of them said, oh, you must mean um, the Mason-Dixon line. And I'd never heard of it. And the Mason-Dixon line is a line that actually um, was a, a geographic line which separated to the north the, the pro-abolitionists of slavery. They were the unionists. From the, um, the, the Confederates who wanted to keep slavery. And it was a line that was divisive. It was a line that represented um, uh, uh, race differences, attitude to race, attitude to slavery. It, uh, it even went between states. And, and actually there were families fighting against families. So we thought, well, God's up to something. And that night I went to um, something called, um, uh, I went to, to a Christian meeting. And uh, in the drive of the house where we were meeting, the friends and I in the car, we decided to pray before going in. And I knew I was going to have to share something of the heavenly realms and something that actually was, was made me vulnerable, but I didn't actually was prepared for what was going to happen next. As we sat there praying in tongues, in, um, and I have permission to say this, in Annalisa's amazing Subaru Impreza with cream upholstery, which was brand new, um, God told me to take off my shoes uh, and actually lie on the back seat while, whilst holding um, um, uh, hands with the others in the car. And all of a sudden, Pain started coming in my tummy. Now, for the ladies out there, you know what it's like giving birth. I've never given birth, clearly. But it was a pain that was so intense. And before I knew it, I had my feet up on the window. I had adopted the position of giving birth. And I was making the appropriate noises. Which were very loud and very vigorous. 
And I think the car was shaking. I'm not sure, but actually I can't believe that it couldn't be shaking with what was going on. And you can picture, picture the scene. People were coming up the drive for a Christian meeting and there was this car that was semi-shaking that noises were coming out of, 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 of almost, it was either to do with giving birth or torture, but they didn't know which one. So I gave birth to the Liberty Bell. Now, for those that don't know the Liberty Bell, it is a, a bell that was, um, uh, that was uh, cast uh, following the American War of Independence. I think it was cast in England. And um, when it was rung, uh, it's now in, it was in Philadelphia. When it was rung, it cracked for the, f uh, the first time it was rung. And then it was remolded twice more, and it cracked on both occasions it was rung again. So, so the Liberty Bell is cracked. And um, the scripture on the Liberty Bell um, is from Leviticus 25.10. It talks about actually uh, proclaiming liberty across the land. Which is what we want, which is what you want for your nation, which is want for your street, which is what you want for your community, which is what you want for your family. And so the Liberty Bell that I gave birth to was not cracked. And so I gave it to that Christian community there, which has actually become a bit of an emblem um, and actually uh, it's something that has actually gained a momentum. And even that night, people were giving birth to uh, hopes and dreams. People have actually changed careers through that evening uh, and actually uh, where, um, um, where I went and where other people went from that evening, including Annalisa, wherever we went to after that, people actually gave birth. This is including men. Men were giving spiritual birth. So men, if you're listening to this, you know, this is not a message just for the women. The fact that actually God has promises to birth in your life not only for your uh, family and friends and field of influence, but so you can actually see liberty wherever you walk. So fast forward six months to May of this year, where I've just come back from. Because with that Mason-Dixon line, prophetic word, comes a responsibility, becomes a yes. When we say yes to God, he says, okay, Mark, now I'd like you to do this. So picture a group of Christians who are now standing on the Mason-Dixon line between Maryland and, Phil and, um, and Pennsylvania. A place where there is um, uh, um, uh, where there was bloodshed a place where almost the the bloodiest day of the American Civil War happened close to Gettysburg and the Gettysburg Address it is a line that is soaked with the blood of division. And so that day was a Monday, and early that Monday morning at 6.04, God woke me. And I think from what I remember, it was not an early night the night before. And so actually, there wasn't a lot of sleep that was had <laughs> that night. And so I actually had a choice. I had a choice. I had a choice. And the choice was to go back to sleep because the pillow was nice and the bed was warm. Or to pick up my phone and I knew that 604 meant reading Romans 6, verse 4, 
and as soon as I would see the blue light on the phone, that I would be awake. And actually, do you know that whichever decision I made, whether I actually said yes to God to read Romans 6.4, or I decide to go back to bed, do you know that my heavenly daddy loves me extravagantly whichever decision I made that night, that morning? If I'd gone back to sleep, he loves me amazingly. If I'd read Romans 6.4, he loves me amazingly. But I know what it's like to say yes to my heavenly daddy because it takes me on an adventure. It takes me on an adventure which is actually shrouded in love and security. And it takes me on an adventure where actually my world increases. And it takes me on an adventure seeing the heavenly realms and how that can actually affect and cause things to happen. In people, in regions, in cities. So I read Romans 6.4. And it talks about... Wow. It talks about the sacrifice that Jesus made. It says, We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So it's talking about freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the consequences of sin. So I left the room I was in and actually laid down in a silk river which... Um, was made in this very church on a Speaks of Life night, a 30-foot silt river, which has been prayed over by many people. And I rested my head where there's a heavenly portal, and I said yes to God. And all of a sudden, I was taken in an open vision to a battlefield, which is as clear to me as it is to the people that I'm looking at at this very moment in time. And I'm a man that actually will only, um, I only like watching PG films I don't, and 12 films. I really don't like violence. I really, I couldn't watch Saving Private Ryan. Not that it's a bad film. I just can't watch it because I'm squeamish. I just don't like violence on films. I just, it, I can't cope with it. Um, and so what I saw, what I saw was a battlefield. And on the battlefield were men that had died, men that were dying, and men that had been mutilated in a way that should never happen to a man on a battlefield. And there was blood from wounds. And I knew automatically, instantly, that it was the, a battle from the American Civil War. Because there were the blue of the, Confe uh, the, blue of the Unionists and the gray of the Confederates. Wow. Wow. I went round, as I walked around the battlefield, I could hear some of them, um, well, some of them were screaming in pain, and some hardly had enough um, energy to speak. And so I went up close, I pushed my ear close to their mouths, I could see the blood 
uh, running through the, 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 the beards and even through the stubble in their face. It was so clear. And they were saying, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Because they'd been abandoned. They were on a battlefield. They were dying. There was no one there to help them. There was abandonment. There was a whole, there was a deep sense of abandonment across that whole battlefield. And I knew, I knew that because of the, the quantity, the, the, there had been a massacre. There'd been a massacre. And the reason why there'd been such a massacre is because I knew that help had not come. In battle, often you have a plan B where you get help coming in from one side to actually almost like a, um, a, backup, a backup plan. Those people had not come. And as a result, there'd been a, a massacre on that field that day. And so not only had there been a sense of abandonment, there'd been a sense of betrayal as well. They'd looked for help, the help had not come, and they'd been betrayed. And they were dying, feeling abandoned and betrayed. And then I saw the men who had betrayed them, who hadn't come, arrive on the scene, seeing their colleagues, their comrades who were dead and dying. And they broke down, they began to cry, because of the shame that they felt. So it was a place of abandonment, of betrayal, and shame. And as I the more and more I identified and were with these men, the more and more I began to almost cry out with them, help me, help me, help me. I actually began to sense and feel that abandonment, that, um, that betrayal, that shame. I was saying, help me, help me, someone help me, someone help me. And in the, in the vision that I had, I was aware that I was actually uh, shouting out, uh, help me, that I was crying, I was, I was kind of groaning and crying out, help me. Huh. And then, then all of a sudden, <laughs> in that darkest moment, Jesus was on that battlefield. And Jesus was with every man. And he seemed to be with every man at the same time. And yet he had so much time with every man. He was with them. He was kneeling down. In the mud and the blood. <laughs> and he could hear the cry of the men's hearts. Even though there was no audible cry, he could hear the cry of the men's hearts. They didn't have to speak. He could hear the cry of their hearts. And he was healing them. He said, those who look to me are never covered in shame. He was being the antidote, the, the divine exchange of the cross, where shame can be exchanged with identity and hope. He was saying, those who look to me are never covered in shame. To those who felt abandoned, he said, Lo, I'm with you always. To those 
who felt on their own and there was no one to lead them. He said, according to Psalm 73, verse 23, yet I am always with, with you. You hold me by my right hand. So we, here we have the lover of our soul, our friend, our hero, our saviour, the one who went out for the lost sheep and left the 99, to be with those men, to be the sacrifice. And he was bleeding at his side. He was, he was bleeding from his side, pouring out blood from his side as he was ministering to them. He was pouring out. And I immediately remembered the picture of the angel and the spear. And God said, saying to me, Mark, you're going to be pouring out every day of your life as I pour into you. You will be poured out like a drink offering. And we know Jesus died and had a resurrection body and everything else. But in this moment, he was pouring out from the wound in his side. Almost representing himself on the cross, wounded and dying, and being with those men and saying, today you can be with me in paradise. Today I am the antidote to abandonment. Today I am the antidote to betrayal. Today I am the antidote to shame. Whoa. So friends, if we've ever had, if we've ever been abandoned, if we've ever been betrayed, if we've, if we've ever felt ashamed, come, come now to the cross. Come to Jesus who was pierced for you, who died for you, who was punished for you and for me. And he will put his ear to your mouth and even that you don't have the strength to say, help me, he will hear the cry of your heart. And even if that's not you, you know many who you're with who have been in that position. So with that picture ringing around me. We went up to the Mason-Dixon line, which represented probably that very battle that I saw earlier that day. And we pleaded the blood of Jesus over the land. We listened to the land we could hear the chains that had been bound by the blood that was shed of division of that land, the broken promises, the betrayal, everything else that had actually served to keep the land in prison and locked up. But we also heard the promises of God, almost like, um, like balloons that were trapped in the land that needed releasing. And at one point of that, of that day, we actually had Rachel from the bay uh, here who, who's actually become a bit of an expert in singing over wells and everything else. And she wrote a song com in complete isolation to what was going on. And she iPhoned into us and sang to us by iPhone at that very moment from, from Whitley Bay Church here, from the Bay Church here to where we were on the Mason-Dixon line. And one of the lines of her song was releasing the promises of the land. And she wrote that because she had a picture of balloons being released from the land. Confirmation that actually we were on track. And actually that God wants to release the promises that have been locked up by, that, by, by, um, by um, well, betrayal, abandonment and shame and everything else. So we poured our oil on the land, representing the blood of Jesus. We, poured out, we put out salt 
on the land to make the, the bitter water better. If we read in uh, the story of Elisha and the company of prophets near Jericho, then actually um, there was a, whoa, and that's in 2 Kings 2 verse 19, that the water there was bitter and it, made, and it caused death and made the land unproductive. And so they put salt in the water and the water remained pure to that day. And so we, so, and then we planted seeds which represent new birth for the land which was cleaned up because, because the blood of Jesus covers and is more powerful and removes the blood of betrayal, removes the blood of division, removes the blood of pain and betrayal and abandonment and shame. The blood of Jesus does that once and forever. It purifies the land. So as we purify the land, we make sure that the water running through it is pure. Because we know new growth needs water. And then the seeds can come. So allow God right now to minister his blood that will actually cover and deal with the blood that may have been shed, the land that you're in, but also the division and the strife that might have occurred in your family line, in your families, even today. Let it come right now and purify that land and let the river of God flow. Apply the salt now to make the bitter better. And allow God to plant that new seed in the ground because it's no good planting seed in a ground that is polluted and impure. Shay. So allow God to plant those promises right now in your life, in the, in the, in the land of your heart right now, in your, in your community, in your city, in your region, in your nation. And start begin to speak those promises that actually right now that need releasing. Begin to speak it out right now. Even, even if you're in the gym and you're listening to this, just speak it out right now. Speak it out right now to release the promises in the land. Wow. And some of you might think, well, okay, Mark, that's, very, that's all very good. That's all very good. But actually, I need time to think about this. I need time. You know, maybe next week. Maybe next week. I'm not so sure. This is all a bit intense. <laughs> but today's the day. Today is the day, friends. As you listen to this message, today is the day. It says in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4, whoever, For whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you wait for perfect weather, you will never plant your seeds. Remember, friends, we were just talking about seeds a minute ago. If you wait for perfect weather, you will never plant your seeds. You will put it off for another day. If you're afraid that every cloud will bring rain, you will never harvest your crops. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to harvest the crops. And in some cases, harvest that which we never planted. Fruit that we never planted, but he wants us to harvest that. And we can look at what's around us, we can take our eyes off Jesus, we can look at the circumstances of our lives, we can look at, at what's going on down the street, we can see what's going on at work, we can see what's going on in our friend's life, and we say, well, maybe tomorrow, because today it looks like rain. It's not a good day for harvesting. But that scripture says... Today, do not put it off anymore. Today is the day. Today is the day to, for you to step into the promise to redeem the land by the blood of Jesus because you're a son and because you're a daughter.
And you have that authority by being a son and a daughter of the living God. And as I come to an end, there's another scripture. Hmm. From Hebrews 11, verse 15, it says, If they, these are the, the, um, the, the, talking about the men and women of faith. Hmm. And actually, you are a man and a woman of faith. If you're listening to this, I want to say to you, you're a man and a woman and a child, a, a, son, a son and daughter of faith. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would never have had the opportunity, they would have had, they would, sorry, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, a heavenly one. So do not think about the country that you're about to leave. Look to that which God has ahead of you as you step into those promises. So if anyone, you begin to come forward now and just receive ministry. I'm going to anoint you with uh, oil, which uh, uh, Annalisa actually bought for me. So it's, a, it's um, uh, uh, anointing oil. So I'm going to anoint you with oil right now just to symbolize the cross of Christ and what that means to you. And I want you to come forward. And as you come forward, I just want to, just to, just to summarize what is going on in your heart at the moment? That God is pouring, is, he wants to pour into you his love, his grace, his favor, his plans, his purposes, his kingdom. He wants to pour in so you can pour out. To pour in so you can pour out. And actually, will be, be, you know, the world that you're looking around with, you see that people are dead. People are dying spiritually and physically. Much like the battlefield that I saw, you don't have to have a vision of a battlefield to do this. But I'm asking that God would give you dreams and visions that would be as so profound as what I had. So I release that right now. I impart that to you right now as you listen, that dreams and visions will be imparted to you. I release that. But you will know those situations. And you know you need to pour out the goodness of God and the love of God to those situations. But you need to be poured into first. So come forward. And be the antidote, as Jesus is the antidote, as sons and daughters, that you will be the antidote as you minister the blood of Jesus, you minister his life and his love to people around you. So where you walk and where you speak, abandonment will flee. Where you walk and where you speak, shame will flee. Where you walk and where you speak, betrayal will flee. Will flee. As these men were with Jesus on that day, saved, you will see many men and women saved as you minister the love and the heart of Jesus. And Jesus is just asking you to walk around that battlefield as he walked around that battlefield. That's all you have to do, friends. And let, as it were, as he was wounded from the side, and as he poured out, he's saying, Mark, Annalisa, Alan, Nick, Shola, pour out, pour out, pour out what I've poured into you. Wow. So I'm just going to say this prayer over all that have come forward right now. Before I do, I've just reminded the fact that I got uh, these dates. Um, if you have 19, 1984 means something to you. If somebody's given you a bouquet of flowers within the last week, 
Uh, hold up your hand when, you come, when we come around and pray with you. If 11th of February means something to you or um, uh, something to do with yellow and a giraffe um, means something to you, please do uh, wave your hand. But as, uh, I just, as we whoa, as release the love of God over you right now, let him minister to you right now. Just don't worry about us getting to you. Let God minister to you directly. We'll just, we'll just, um, just say more of what God's doing. That's all we're going to say. Huh. We just thank you, God. We just thank you. Love of God, come. Love of God, come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for your height and your depth of your love. Thank you that we can never comprehend the depths and heights of your love. Thank you that your love for us burns like a raging fire. It ignites unanswering passion in the hearts of our children that we can't give an explanation, but we know that it's passion. As deep cries out to deep, we call to you. Our heart responds. Jesus says, I love everything about you. I love you even when you forget I am there. Surrender to the flames of the fire of my love. And look into my fiery eyes, my passionate eyes, those eyes that pursue you with Wow. Relentless love. Take me by the hand and let us run over the mountains and the valleys and I will show you. I will show you the things I have for you way beyond all you can ask, think, or imagine. <sighs> Thank you, God. Amen. 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 Amen.